Welcome to the Vault Podcast, classic music reviews, presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings, greetings, and welcome, everybody. You are now inside the vault. And here, of course, with yours truly, B. Cox. And, of course, we have the crew seated, of course, to my left. We got my man, Damo, joining us today. And to my right, we got D.E.T. Dave. Of course, Dave, you can hear him, of course, on 2-in-1 and also the former host of the Renaissance Forum uh, podcast as well. Glad to have both of my partners here with me to discuss the vault. Yes, sir. And of course, the premise of this show, we like to take you back all the way back in time. What we do is review classic music and classic album from 20, 25 and 30 years back. And so if you're doing your math, that will leave you with reviews from the year and albums that came out in the years of 1999, 1994 and 1989 for this year. So you're going to be looking forward to some uh, good classic album reviews and music reviews coming out from those years. And we got a lot of material to cover for the years of 99, 94, and 89. And today, of course, we're going to be taking you back to 1999, 20 years ago. This uh, first one that we have. First of all, I'm going to stop right now just to ask my, my co-host, <laughs> my two gentlemen right here, how y'all doing today, man? We're here on a very splendid Sunday afternoon recording. Beautiful and, uh, day. Yeah, sir. Yes, indeed. Yeah, so... We're going to get right into it. And so The Vault, of course, presented by IV Creative. You can follow us on Facebook on IV Creative and also on Instagram, I-V-E-C-R-E-8. And um, we'll have lots more of material to come as we continue on this journey. So The Vault, the very first album that we are reviewing today, of course, we're going to take you all the way back to the year of 1999. And it's ironic that we're doing this right now here. Um that we are just a day removed from the 20th anniversary of this classic album. And of course, the album that I'm referring to is Murder Music by Mob Deep is their fourth studio album. It was released on August 17th, 1999. So almost exactly 20 years ago, guys, we're talking about this. So long time ago. 20 years ago. This, of course, released on August 17th, 1999. Their fourth album, of course, you know, the uh, famed duo from Queensbridge, Mob Deep, uh, Havoc, and of course, the late great prodigy um, passed away now almost two years, more than two years now um, since he's been gone. But this was their fourth studio album. And, um, you know, everybody knows mobs, you know, what their themes were, what they did. It's gangster music, hardcore music. That's what they did. To me, I think they sort of took a bit of a transition and we'll go into that as we head a little bit further on into the review. Um, just to let you know, of course, it was a runtime of this album was just... You know, this is when you used to have, Longest you know, album. long albums. I yeah. mean, this is well long over a, a certain amount of time, um, well over 70 minutes. And this had 19 actual tracks. And um, just to recap a few of the executive producers, of course, Mob Deep, executive producers, both Havoc and also Prodigy Executive, Jonathan Lightley Williams, Baby Chris, Buddha, um, and of course, The Alchemist, going into the producer list here, this is the first album that Mob Deep had since their debut of juvenile hill in 1993 that was not exclusively produced by havoc so you're looking at um alchemist giving a couple of offerings on this and also um buddha epitome shamello um, jonathan williams also t-mix t-mix as well giving uh some some uh some offerings this is the thing that i like about that because i think you know when you get to a point where one you have one producer working on an album we see this happen with a tribe called quest as well mm -hmm. 
where you exclusively had Q-Tip and then also Ali Shahi Muhammad also always um, producing um, these albums. And they got away from that on their third album, or excuse me, fourth album, which was uh, Beats, Rhymes, and Life, where the Uma produced exclusively almost everything on the album, including in JD, which I think was a good change up. A lot of Tribe fans didn't like it. Just like a lot of Mob fans didn't like the fact that Havoc didn't produce everything on this album. So. Mm. This is what we have. I mean, of course, you know, you're the executive producers. And, of course, you told the individual producers that have been on. And, of course, Havoc did the line share producing. And another thing about this, what we also noticed in doing our research about this, we understood this album was heavily, heavily bootlegged. Mm-hmm. You know? It's about, <laughs> it's about, what, six songs? Yeah. And At least six songs. I read that uh, Big Noy was supposed to be on it. Yeah. Uh, they had a remix. Was it the, the track USA mm-hmm. uh, was supposed to have an extra verse on that? Yeah. Now Col- there Columbia, were Columbia wasn't trying to clear them for two tracks. Yeah, which which is crazy. And that's another <laughs> thing you talk about the business of the record industry is the fact that there's someone a rapper who was already cleared to have been on one track. You know, he was featured on the second to last track on this album, which was It's Mine, and he couldn't get cleared to be on another track, which is um, which is really crazy. The fact that they did that. So quite a few were actually. Uh, you did, they recorded at least five new tracks on this album that um, Spread Love, I'm Going Out, Can't, Can't, Buckwit, It's Mine, Quiet Storm, the remix, all were included. And a couple of tracks were all pulled off as a result of the um, the bootleg. And um, same thing that happened with this, same thing that happened with I Am. And um, it's unfortunate because it would have been, you know, now you can go back and they all these tracks are available. Most of them are available online. You can go back and listen mm-hmm. to it. You know, just like we saw that with I Am, uh, those tracks were taken off and then it became a part of what we now know as the first Lost Tapes of Nas. And Classic. It just goes to sit there and say, like, man, if this would have been on the original I Am, then Nas could have some, Nas could actually have some some claims of having many more, cl- <laughs> another classic, yeah, bonafide classic indeed. in his catalog, but nonetheless. So, talking about this, of course, August 1999 where we all were when this album first came out. Dave, I'm going to start with you. August 17, 1999, this album first comes out. Where were you when this album came out and your your first reaction to it when it came out as well? I'm going to be honest with you. I just listened to this album for the first time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, dead serious. I, this is the first time I listened to murder music. And um, I, I have I have my, I'm kind of half a half on it. Uh, I guess we'll get into that a little later. Mm-hmm. We break down each thing, but. I think 99, what what the hell was I doing? I might have been cutting grass with my uncle. <laughs> I might have been cutting grass with my uncle, but I mean, I was, you know, I wasn't really into, you know, the stuff that wasn't on the radio. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to a whole bunch of stuff that was on the radio back then, but, you know, I didn't really listen to murder music or any Mob Deep or anything like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Of course, I listened to Nas and people like that, but I wasn't really exposed to Mob Deep like that, though. Yeah. Well, Damo, and where you were when this album first came out, your first reaction to it when you when you when you listened to it. Well, you know, I was a big Mob Deep fan, so <laughs> I was excited when it came out. You know, now the youngest don't know about running to the record store to get an album. <laughs> I ran to right. the record store, and it was Tuesday. It's mm-hmm. not like Friday now. Yeah, mm-hmm. Tuesday I ran to the record. It's like, oh, I gotta have this. Yeah, yeah. Can I, we? Yeah, can we talk about that? Like how <laughs> albums used to come out, yes. and you used to wait for that Tuesday was album release Tuesday, mm-hmm. and you would sit there and look at the schedule and what was coming out. Mm-hmm. And now it's, it's so different now because you come albums come out, you don't know what day what day. Well, it we is. also was previewed to months before. Yeah, coming out when you had the magazines giving. Yeah, the, the source magazine. 
coming out, five mics. coming out, telling you, oh, you're like, oh, yeah, I can't wait till this come out. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Everything I was reading on the source, I was like, oh, yeah, I got to go get this. <laughs> right. So, you know, I ran and got it. I was working at the glass shop. I took my little money, ran down there, got that. And I think I bumped there for at least a couple of a couple of weeks straight. Mm-hmm. I was going from that and Nas and that. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I was at the same place where both of you all were uh, going into at that point, going into my senior year of high school. Um, I was a big I was a big Mob Deep fan. Really, where I picked up my fandom from Mob Deep was started at at um, at the infamous like uh, many of us who first really paid attention. Juvenile hell, I didn't really even know to know anything about it until I well become a Mob Deep fan and started doing my research on the Internet. Um, but. When I heard it, first of all, the first song that I heard from it wasn't a song that many people think. It wasn't Quiet Storm. It was Illustrious was the first one that I heard. And this is when, you know, you talk about 98, 99, you get to the, the Internet and um, start getting onto these message boards. And that's when really, I think, message boards started making its rounds and making it and inserting its influence when the fans had an open forum outside of just being in your circle of friends. Being mm-hmm. able to talk right. about an album on the internet, a man discuss with people and debate mm-hmm. and debate because that was a big thing. Like when I first started getting on Duck Down charts and DVDs websites and all hip hop when these out when these first came around, you used to go to rap reviews. I used to go to rapreviews.com, which was tied to OHHLA, which was the online hip hop lyric archive, which I was a student of oh, having yes. the, having the right music, mm-hmm. you know. And you start getting into these you know message boards and discussion forums and chats. And people start talking about music. And this is the first time you really saw something on the internet in depth when it really started to grow. You know, so you see now people on Twitter, people on Facebook starting to do like these uh, these uh, discussions about these rap albums and these debates. And that's when it really when it all started. And I would jump on and there were some things that were people that were against it, some negatives, some positive reviews. To me as a Mob Deep, I think as a Mob Deep fan, I wasn't as impressed with it, but um, initially... But it took some time to grow on me, which I understood and some, when some years went along. We'll talk about that a little a little bit later. But to me, I would have to say this. Um, as far as the themes present on the album, it's a mob album. You know what you're going to get, right? Gritty. It's, it's gritty. Gritty. It's gutter. Gritty. You know, it's it's New York. It's... Gritty. it's. Um, I, wrote, I, wrote that, I wrote that down. They said it yeah. was gritty then. And yeah, man. Down. That's how it is. And when you, when you listen to a Mob Deep album, you know, for the most part... Pre two thousand, what you're gonna get in a Mob Deep album? Dirty. It's gonna be dirty, gritty. Dirty. It's gonna a lot of it's gonna be dark, man. And if you listen to the album before this, Hell on Earth, it follows a lot of the same things that you hear on Infamous and Hell on Earth. I think that that's a, what's a little bit different, though, is to me, um, the production's a little bit different one. But then I also think, to me personally, I think Havoc kind of stepped it up a little bit. This, as far as his rhymes were concerned. I think you know? did too. Yeah, I think they both did. And I yeah. think they both kind of took a they they took a uh took a step up mm-hmm. a, a little bit. Okay. Yeah. I so. kinda think Havit stepped back some and let Prodigy have more of the spotlight. No, absolutely. Like, that's what I felt like listening to this one. It sounded I was like I was like it sounded like he knew he was yeah. gonna push Prodigy to be more of the single artist than, well, the, yeah. than him. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and I think we know now why that is. I think we know now because what next year, the next year, what happens? Prodigy comes out with HNIC, you know, comes out with his with his first solo album. And um, I do I do get that. I think more so when I say Havoc stepped it up, I think Havoc stepped up um, one as a sort of like as an executive producer, sort of like a maybe shaping the form of the album. But then also to me, I think quality wise, his lyrics were 
a little bit better than I met, than I knew in some of the other, you know, mob mobs. I mean, Prodigy is always going to shine, and you always have sort of like a someone who's a spotlight when you have a rap duo or rap group. But to me, I think Havoc, his quality of his lyrics stepped up a little bit, and he was willing also, like you said, took a step back to let P shine a little bit more, and then also to be able to give the guests that were on there to shine a little bit more as well. Yeah. You know, like we talk about their features on this, of course, from Cormega. You got a feature on here from Lil C's. Lil C's. You know, Raekwon, who now this is the third straight Mob album he was featured on. You know, the other two ones were classics, the Raekwon and Mob Deep uh, collabos that they did. You know, there was Infamous Mob, Cool G Rap, of course. Yes. And Lord. then Nas. Yo. You know, so there were a couple of tracks on here where Havoc didn't have a verse and it was P, you know. Mm. And that's kind of tough, you know, when you're part of a rap duo. But then it really kind of takes a team, you know. And to, to me, Havoc and Prodigy were a true team in that sense. Mm. That they were able to, you know, to to the Havoc kind of took a step back and let the album sort of take its shape with P and then some of the other producers and then also some of the guests as well. So, and to me, I guess I would have to really say this. I guess on this album, to me, I think they really had to, they they kind of scaled back a little bit of the grit and the grime if you could, because they knew they needed a couple of more radio tracks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, Mob always did pretty well with their fans. They did well with the with the the New York rap fans and they did well with the people who love street rap who love that genre but they had a couple of songs on here that they could act they actually had some video and radio plays because they had to mm-hmm. it's mine got the video yeah uh, mm-hmm. quiet storm the remix with little Kim. Re- that was that was that was a big hit for them yeah exactly that was a big hit for them and um you sort of get to a point and we'll talk about this with another album that we featured is that at some point in time you got to be able to have some success commercially to be viable. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is 99 we're talking about now. You got artists that can release things completely independently and not have to do, you know, uh, not have to sign with a label. As a matter of fact, now signing a label is supposed to be the kiss of death nowadays, you know? As a matter of fact, wasn't uh, wasn't Quiet Storm the remix available on the Into Deep soundtrack? It is. It was. It is. It yeah, is. because that was the first song you heard when you heard, watched that movie. I'm like, that. that yeah. if anything, that song kind of like really introduced you to that movie it was it was dope yeah that was in the that open that was the opening yeah, was of, opening. of into deep yeah 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 it was man because and that um i think that remix the- man to me you got to mm. put it when you talk about like the best remixes yeah. that you've heard mm-hmm. that to me has to be on the list of the best remixes can't murder that you know remix. you know and everybody that's what and, I'm saying. And, but you want to know what that's what i'm saying you know it absolutely is but in and, and, and but if you look at the remix not just looking at what kim did Everybody brought their game on that on that remix. Havoc did, P did, and definitely Kim did. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a classic when it goes down to classics of, of remix and posse tracks. Um, yeah, you know. But as as far as what we say, the first reaction. So the things present, we talked about that. That's the only platinum selling album. That's maybe. the only platinum selling album that they had. Yeah. Mm. So to me, I'm going to go around now. We're going to talk about the songs, the high points, and then also. Um, what you liked. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start now, of course, with with Damo. We're gonna talk about some just reviewing a sort a few of the songs and your high points of the album based on what you heard then and even now. Um, what's your high highlights as far as song the few of the songs that you know what are, are your favorites on that album? Like you said earlier, illustrious. Yeah, I love illustrious. Mm-hmm. I love the realest with Cool G Rap. Absolutely. <laughs> I listened to that at least back, I had to listen to it like three times just mm-hmm. to hear. I was like, "Ooh, we st- 
I don't know how he wasn't on there. They didn't have him on that 50 list that they had a couple of weeks ago. Talking about he not on there. I'm like, how you hear this and not put him on that list? Yeah. Man, uh-huh. Please don't get me started on these lists. Yeah, we could have a whole nother podcast episode <laughs> about don't. those lists. Please Those don't. lists with Please quotation don't. marks around them. Let a hoe be a hoe. Oh, yeah. I, I figured you. <laughs> <laughs> Let a hoe be a hoe. That's probably one of my favorite jokes right there. Yeah. Because they definitely give you the game right there, for real. Indeed. Dave, your highlights on the album as far as, you know, what, what's your favorite one based on you listening to this when you're your first blush? You said this was the first time you listened to the album. Y- y'all know me. I'm not really a big uh, mainstream dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, listening to Little Cease mm-hmm. on I'm Going Out really surprised me that he was able to hang with P and Havoc on that joint. Okay, yeah. Um, of course, I like where you from with Eight Ball. I thought mm-hmm. that was a good collaboration. That was a very. Good I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you and said the, that. The production was very good too. Yeah, Team I'm like, who the hell's Team X? I'm yeah. like, okay. Yeah, I gotta do some research on this cat. And of course, the realist. And I not what I realized. What I found out was that this was actually the Alchemist's first production. I read some notes. I was like, this is his first like appearance on an actual uh, like studio album. Well, it, it could be, man, because, you know, Alchemist came along very late mm-hmm. in, in their progression, Mob Deep's progression. And Alchemist started doing tracks not just for Mob Deep, but he also started doing tracks for Nas mm-hmm. and a few other people. He really sort of stepped in. This is right around the time period he made himself known as a, as a producer. Yeah. And he sort of stepped into that same, you know, footprint of DJ Premier, of Pete Rock, you know, of Dilla's and using samples and, and being able to use things like sampling drums, mm. you know, the one things and then being able to take a very, a very uh, distinct or, or, or dubious um, piano track, mm. you know, or loop and being able to take it, sample and chop it up and it be was, able to do something with it. I, heard, I mean, some of the things he was at the Alchemist man. was able to do, man. Um, he kind of followed in that same tradition, large professor, DJ premier, Pete rock. Yeah, no, that, you're that was, right. That was such a beautifully produced track. And like I said, G Rap came in and just slaughtered it. Oh man, it it was it was it was a really good it was a really good, you know, collaboration. Yeah. A total collaboration. That was that was probably my favorite track on the album, The Realist. Well well for me, I'll actually be quite honest, man. Um when I first listened to this album, I think I was I don't know whether it was youth and me being really enthusiastic, because I was really into New York rap a lot back then. I didn't really start getting into you know, New York rap, some West Coast rap, down South rap, if it was Outkast and Goody Mob, yeah, but I wasn't yeah. really feeling anyone else like that yeah. back then. But after listening to it over the last couple of days, to me, I sort of noticed something. I think the album sort of started a little slow. Yeah. I don't I know agree. if it, I don't know if I, it, I don't know if it was just me, but I think after listening to it 20 years later, I think the album started just a little slow. I agree. Like I think it started slow from track one all the way through even I would have to say seven, eight. And there was some, you know, of course, some highlights there right then and there. Yeah. And, you know, to me, I sort of have a philosophy, a philosophy when it comes to listening to albums that to me, I think the album needs to pick up by track four. Right. You know, and I if agree. it doesn't pick up by track four and grab your attention, then it's going to be hard for you to decide to sit there and listen to it all in one listen. Right. You know, because mm-hmm. it gave you a little like, let a whole be hell. You know, yeah. They fold in you. Little C, John, that John is alright. Illustrious give you a little bang. Yeah. But the adrenaline falls off a little bit. Yeah. So you, 
the eight ball. That that's when it to me that's when it picks up. Doesn't pick up. And then, right, then they hit you with Quiet Storm right after that. Boom. Yeah, yeah where your heart at was dope too. <laughs> yeah, where your heart yeah, at was really where dope. your heart at. Yeah, I, I listen. I, I listen to where your heart at, and it was just like I'm listening. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm starting to like think about people that you know. Yeah, starting people have passed away. I'm like, man, this is tough. Yeah, and, hard to listen to. And, yeah, and you know that's where I think you got to sort of you have to when you talk about album selection, right? Like, and, and, and sequencing. When you're talking about sequencing, like one of the things in another album that we'll, we'll actually, in a later episode, we'll review, which will be Southern Playalistic. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when Didi, when Didi said that when they all sat and listened to the final sequence of the perfectly laid out album, that it was almost like nobody could say a word. Quiet. So I think when you, when, when you do uh, song selection, because, you know, when you record these albums, even back then, you're going to record way way more tracks i mean it even talks about when things fall apart they recorded over 145 tracks and selected 16 of them you know so do you when you uh, selecting the songs that are going to go on the album and then also sequencing them and i think to me the reason why i think the album took so long to get started to pick up per se is because it was bootlegged and they had to end up recording new yeah. tracks mm -hmm. and they had to re resequence everything with that being said, if it hadn't been bootlegged, then the original tracks would have been on there. My goodness, yeah, you know? five star classic. Yeah, we well, I mean, and and, and so so uh, to me, it kind of took a little long for it to get started. But my favorite songs, of course, are the Quiet Storm. Of course, that goes without saying. Of course, with Raekwon, can't fuck with it. Um, uh, I love, of course, the Realist, um, and of course, where you're from. And to me, not really being a huge down south fan, uh, down south rap fan, and I knew who A Ball and MJG were, but I really wasn't. I don't think that my ears were matured enough to be able to accept understand the right. style and what southern rap for what it was, and not compare them up against you know how New York rap was or how West Coast rap was, and certain artists how they were. And to me now, listen to it twenty years later, it's one of my favorite tracks on it now because the beat is so smooth. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. It's, it's to me, I wrote this down. I said. It reminds me of one of them tracks you just put the top down and yeah. just cruise through the city. Exactly. It's a beautiful track. Yeah. Beautiful track. And you know, with Mob Deep, you don't have a whole lot of tracks like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. You don't. You don't. And uh, I had an uh, argument with somebody when I was an undergrad, and they were telling me that, you know, if you were putting on a Mob Deep track, it was only going to do one through, one of a couple of things. Either getting ready to go fight somebody or go kill somebody. <laughs> you sounds, know? Sounds about right. And I think they sort of got away from that, this album, because you had a, a, a still the gritty and grind, but they had a few other tracks that you could sort of put an album out or put a video out, you know? So, so I guess if I had to say now, the one thing we sort of talk about our favorite songs, has your favorite song on this album changed then versus now? I guess I'll ask Damo, has that changed? What your favorite song is now versus then, or then versus now? Yeah, it has. So what was it? What was it then, and what is it now? It's mine was then. Okay. I don't know if life got me where Hobo got me. <laughs> life took me to where let Hobo. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the joke in me. Yeah. But nah. Uh, I think the realest turned into being my favorite one. Yeah. And it wasn't then. I don't think I appreciated the realest then like I do now. It just kind of, to me, I think it speaks to one, the fact that the realest is a track, you know, that was the, the second track produced by Alchemist on this, on this album. One, people could realize how good of a producer he was going to be and how big he was going to be. Um, and then also I think, People, I think a lot of people speak on here realistically, and, and I think the wider mainstream audience, when I say this, 
I think a lot of people sleep on how good Cool G Rap was yes. and is. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, a lot of people. I mean, for me, when it comes to my lyrical Mount Rushmore, he's right on there, along with Big Daddy Kane, Rakim. You know, I mean, See, he is. You can't say those names. People are like, who the hell is yeah. Rakim? So who, who's Big Daddy Kane? I mean, and if you listen, like, listen to historically, man, and he has an album that will also, you know, in 1989 he put out with uh, DJ Polo that we'll, we'll Polo. Re- yeah, we'll uh, review later on this year. But um, to me, I don't think people they really underrate just how great he was, man, mm-hmm. and how great he is. So. There's a lot of rappers in the game that will give respect to Cool G Rap for what it, what he did and um, his influence on the game. How many rappers he influenced? Everybody from Biggie to Method Man to Nas, Nas you know. So, no, I definitely understand that. And as far as me, I mean, I would have to say, to me, it's uh, my favorite. My favorite track now, man, will probably have to be between the realist and where you're from. Just because of the mood that I'm normally in when I'm listening to music nowadays, I like to be able to, to you know, to that nostalgia. That's what that track gives me. Those two tracks really give me that nostalgia, which I'm really big on nowadays, you know. So that that being said, um, I guess, you know, we talked about that as well. I guess we sort of covered that as far as songs that you slept on now that you appreciate more now. And I think we've all kind of gotten that, <laughs> gotten those those around from the from those. And, and to me, uh, any lowlights here that you guys, you know, you kind of, I think we 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 kind of go around. But Dave, first, any lowlights? The first first quarter of the album. First quarter of the album. I would have to agree with you there. I, I, I thought it went really slow, mm-hmm. and I, I, I was like, through the first four tracks, I'm not really finding anything that I'm vibing off, and I'm like, okay, why is this considered a classic? Because mm-hmm. normally, when you think of classic music, you think it's strong all the way through mm-hmm. well we but also got to remember that a lot of times back then they wouldn't give you a real pl- album the classic they would give your next album the classic mm-hmm. yeah like hello earth they didn't consider hell hello earth the classic mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. later on like, yeah but they'll give you a next album the classic they give you the five mics on the next album they should have gave you the five yeah before. But, but what i'm saying is basically i'm listening to the whole thing i'm like man i'm, I'm gonna sit down i'm listening to this thing mm-hmm. all the way through without stopping and i'm taking notes and i'm like okay first song nah second man third man fourth man and i wrote down i said this is not my type this isn't my cup of tea right now this something has changed and then let a whole be whole came on. I'm like, okay. And then it started to rise. And then we got to where you're from. It's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Then Big Noy came on. And then USA. And then the realist came on. The realist came on. I'm like, oh my. I'm just, oh my goodness. Yeah. And and then it finished strong with the Choir Storm remix, which is, like I said, arguably one of Mob's biggest tracks ever. Yeah. So I mean that's where I am. It it just the low lights just the first four or five songs. It just started off really slow for me. Yeah. I I know that you mentioned earlier about uh about adrenaline that you said you, you figured that was a drop off in the album. I think it was a drop off mm-hmm. too, you know? I do. To me, I think like I said, the first half of the album was really slow to me. And I think you gotta really look into the bootlegging thing that really ruined a few albums actually in those late nineties, man, when mm-hmm. the albums got bootlegged and people were, things were getting leaked and cost labels a lot of money to be able to do things like that now, you know? So, um, adrenaline probably was just a throw in. Yeah. Like it so was. Like, why was it going to pick off at first? Mm-hmm. It was like, Shh. 
Let's throw it in there. Put that like in the middle of the album track eight somewhere. A filler. Album songs. Like we say album, they're like hits. There are hits, singles, hits, and album songs. And that to me is a bona fide album song. We start talking about the type of songs that you have on an album. Filler. So now that we get that, this is, yeah, album filler. So now that we get to that point, uh, let's let's talk about the ultimate test. So how does how has this aged over the last 20 years? I guess we'll, we'll start. And of course, we'll put these in categories. Is it a bona fide classic? Is it a borderline classic? Or is it just classic in its time? That's the real thing. We talk about albums we're going to review here on The Vault. Is it a bona fide classic? Is it a borderline classic? Or is it just classic in its time? I got to say... In- I'm, like I said, I didn't listen to it back then. And the way that the album started off the first quarter of the album didn't really rock with me. But as it grew, it caught my attention. I would say borderline classic. Borderline classic. I would say borderline. I'm not, like I said, I didn't listen to it back then. So I didn't really think it was, you know, I didn't even know about it. And I know damn well it's not five-star Illmatic type classic. I mean, it, it's it's borderline. Well, you know what's crazy? This is actually with the source review. This in '99, it got four and a half mics. A little yeah. too generous to me. Four and a half mics, and uh, when they go back and re-reviewed, because you know, after a certain period of time, yeah. there were certain albums that received four and a half. Cl- well, they did three things: one, albums that were never reviewed, they actually reviewed them and and re-rated them. Mm-hmm. They had albums that originally received four and a half mics that received five mics later that should have gotten five mics, and then the ones that were rated four mics, they ended up giving them the ones that should have gotten. Five mics ended up getting five mics, and this was not one of them. This stayed just at four and a half mics. So it's interesting, though, at that time, that stayed at four and a half, and it was at four and a half, and it stayed at four and a half. Right. Damo, what's your verdict? Is it bona fide classic, borderline classic, or just classic in its time? Classic at its time. Classics in its time? Yeah. And why do you say that? Just when you go back and listen to it, back then, the nostalgia was so... For me being a fan of this, yeah, I'm like, oh, this show a classic. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't hell on earth classic. Yeah, but I was like, oh yeah, this show. A, but then when you go back and listen to it now, and you hear them first seven songs, it ain't that. It ain't it. It don't transfer them from hell on earth to yeah, there to, to where it could be a bona fide classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To me, I would have to say if the original murder music would have came out, this would have been a bona fide classic. But because of certain things happening. The way that this album sort of started slow to me, mm-hmm. and it picked up definitely. If it was just the second half of this album, I think this would be a bona fide classic. Yeah. But I think to me, I'm gonna have to say it's probably classic for its time, and right. sort of straddling into the borderline classic at this time, um, only because that first half of the album to me started way too slow. Yeah. I thought it could have start, it could have maintained a lot faster. Now, as far as how how it stacks up with their other albums. Knowing what their other albums, as you've listened, as you as you listened, and to me, I think my my whole ranking Mob Deep and what they've done sort of stops after this album because mm-hmm. anything that they put out after this, you, it's kind of you kind of your career kind of gets damaged a little bit. You know, you survived the Tupac beef, uh, beef obviously, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but so, I think P's credit P's credibility took a large large hit after Summer Jam when oh. Jay when Jay put a picture of <laughs> you know. And so, you know, you're still a great rapper, man, obviously, no doubt. But I think to me, how this stacks up with the rest of the other albums, personally, I'll have to say for me, this is number three. It's a distant third to me behind Infamous and Hell on Earth. It's not a bad thing, though, because when you think about those two albums, 
it's kind of hard to be able to stack up an album to be that close to when you put out something that great. And to me, in those two albums, like here, they have some skippable material in murder music. Yeah. I don't think they have any. There's not much skippable material in either one, Infamous or Hell on Earth. No. And so, Damo, what do you say? in the other albums, how does it stack up to you as well? You forgetting about, you didn't like Infamy? I wasn't really a big fan. I wasn't before, a huge it's before, fan. It's before Infamy, so. Yeah. yeah I, I would put third, it there. Third, yeah. Dave? Again. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really a mob guy. Yeah. So I have. But to you've heard Infamous. And I've, you've heard, heard, I've, heard, infamous. I've, heard, I've heard Infamous. Yeah. And you've heard Infamous and Hell on Earth, or at least some of Hell yeah, on some, Earth. Some of. Yeah. I, I would probably say the same. Third, yeah. Third. Third. third yeah. Third place. Third place ain't bad. Yeah. It's not but, bad. I mean, and, and considering the, the, the quality of which we're pulling from. And again, nobody really knew Juvenile Hell, which actually, you know, listening to it now, and I actually took a listen to Juvenile Hell not that long ago, considering how young they were and them just getting started out. They had some beats produced by Lost Professor, by DJ Premier. So um, it's okay for a debut album. It's just not, there's a big transition, though, from Juvenile Hell into Infamous. Like, they took a big, big step forward. You know, some people have that sophomore slump. They actually made that big jump in between the freshman album and the sophomore album. So it is, to me, I think, their third best. But that's Murder Music. Um... Of course, came out 20 years ago, almost one day removed. Here we are in 2019. It came out August 17th, 1999. The one thing I will have to say about the lasting impact of this album, the legacy for this album is definitely in the single is Quiet Storm because it's still now just the biggest hit now as it was 20 years yep, ago. Yes. Mm-hmm. The beat is such a classic that there were so many people that did remixes on that beat alone. There's at least two or two different songs that I know that I've heard with this beat that have fired just as much as as Quiet Storm is itself. And then to me, obviously, without a shadow of a doubt, if it's not Kim's best verse, it's definitely in her top five. Yeah, yeah. You know? If it's not not her best verse, it's definitely in her top five. Most memorable. You know? Kim versus Catcher, you got to catch yourself when you say something that you don't supposed to be saying. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, so yeah, man, that, that's where I'm at with this album. And um, to me, like I said, it's between Borderline and, and Classic in its time. And, you know, the sad thing about this more than anything else is that we will not get another uh, Mob Deep album, P yep. Passing Away. And um, I think that's the sad thing about it. But the good thing is that we have classic Mob Deep material that we can always remember and always listen to. We knew this was a springboard for Prodigy getting HNIC out there, which I'm pretty sure we're going to end up reviewing next year when that 20-year anniversary comes out. Because mm. there were a few gems on that album there as well. But to me, this is what this is. This was the beginning, or like where, when Mob Deep was at their apex. If their apex was right around, I'm going to say right between 99 and 95 and 2000. Some so jam. this is right there and within its apex. But there we go. Of course, Mob Deep Murder Music. You can listen to it wherever you need to listen to it. There is our review of it. Of course, I want to thank my co-host for sitting in here with me reviewing this. Gentlemen, it's been fun. We are going to get our next um, review in, and we want to make sure that you guys stay tuned. Make sure that you're subscribing to The Vault Podcast, um, anywhere that you can get podcasts and download them as well. Of course, you can follow me. I am at It's Lesson on Instagram and then also on Twitter. And you can also follow Ivy Creative at I-V-E-C-R-E, the number eight. And that's on Instagram. And Dave, if you want to go ahead and get your social media stuff out there, go ahead. Oh, you can follow me at D-E-T-S-R-6-17 and D-E-T-82-POD on IG. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I am more active on Twitter these days uh, at DETSR617. And you can also follow us at the Connection Media page as well, also on Facebook. Absolutely, no doubt. Um, you got any plugs you want to put out there? Not necessarily social media, but anything. Nah? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. You got, um, <laughs> I forgot. So, yeah, we got season two, of the, uh, season two of Two on One coming up in September, so I'm looking forward to that. Shout out to Yo and Mika. Can't wait to get back on the mic with them two ladies. Wonderful people. No doubt. And with that, we are going to sign off again. You are listening to the Vault Podcast Classic Music Reviews. Make sure that you keep listening, ladies and gentlemen, and always make sure you keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud to disturb others around you. Always peace, love, and happiness, and make sure that we take care of each other, love one another, and always trust in our beliefs. Thank you. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at IVECRE8.